ghosts, specters, whatever you want to call them, they've been around for thousands of years. Apparently she died from a tooth infection in one of the upstairs rooms in the house. As in the locations they haunt. History of a Haunting podcast tells you all about these famous, infamous, and almost famous locations. And why they became terrifying places to visit. Grab a glass of wine and settle in with your hosts, Archie. I mean, that was definitely the wrong thing to do. And Carrie. Nobody asked for it, Carrie. Nobody fucking asked for it. But hey, my podcast, and I'll say what I fucking want. (laughs) Two people just winging it in life and this podcast. So enjoy this week's episode of History of a Haunting. Hi guys, welcome to History of a Haunting. I'm Carrie. And I'm Hershey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You made us some amazing drinks today. Oh, well thank you. Yes, they are amazing. We're going to put them up on our Patreon. Um, Archie had his very first Dole Whip. I made that for him. And um, we put rum in it, because obviously. Obviously. (laughs) Uh, So he had his very first Disneyland Dole Whip. And uh, scale of 1 to 10, Arch, what'd you think? Um, I'm biased. Do you hear that? Mm-hmm. Is that coming from your computer or outside? Outside. Okay, cool. Okay, so you're biased. Go on. I'm biased. Um, last year for my birthday, I took myself to Hawaii. I remember. And Without I, me? Fuck you. <laughs> actually had a Dole Whip at the Dole Plantation. Okay, but that's not... No. <laughs> An actual Dole Whip at the Dole Plantation, not Disneyland's. Okay, but did it have rum? No, but it okay. could have. Well, it didn't. <laughs> so a 10 is what I'm hearing you say? Great. Okay. Yay, Disneyland Dole Whips. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, and then Arch made us... What do we want, what do we want to call these? Because it started out as a shot. And then... We were like, no, we need cocktails out of this. We can, I, yeah. In order to layer it properly, we needed a bigger cup. Okay. So we transitioned. Yeah, a poor in. excuse is better than none, as my grandma <laughs> always said. So we transitioned to the clear party cups, which I was able to layer. Yay. Correctly, and they turned out beautiful. They did. They turned out really beautiful. Um, and uh, we put a picture of it on our Facebook and our Instagram. And then we will put the full recipe of the shot, the Dole Whip, and the drink that is yet to be named. Yeah. Yeah, we just kind of made the shot into we added sprite to it and called it a cocktail. We made it we made we got the picture and then just that's it. Yeah, we got the the picture is amazing. Like he did really fucking well. Uh and and then we stirred it together and we were just like, whatever, let's drink it. It was beautiful. So we'll put the recipes for all that on of our on of our on of our on our Patreon. Aaron write that down. Yeah, Aaron. Just kidding. Um <laughs> So let's dive into our EVPs really quick. Uh, for those of you who have heard us say in the last few episodes, Aaron, write that down. Uh, <laughs> one of our friends, um, is EKB, her name is Aaron, uh, jokes with me a lot about how we fuck up basically English words. Uh, so she said she was going to start uh, telling us the proper way to pronounce shit. Uh, so now whenever we mispronounce something, we're always like, Aaron, write that down. Oh, she's got some Spanish words coming up today. Oh, hey. All right. Little miss. See how you do with these. 
Um, <laughs> so I do have um, a few more EVPs that I do want to go over. And not last week, week before last, we covered the Hotel Cecil. And um, I swear I don't live on a freeway. It's just, I don't, I don't know what's happening. Um, <laughs> usually no one drives down this road on a Friday. But, so we covered the Hotel Cecil. And it happened to be that um, we, two of our podcast buddies, and we have promoted their podcast on our podcast. So Happy Hour Gets Weird and Reverie True Crime. Arch, that's the one that you said you could listen to her talk all, all day long. Um, they have actually also done episodes on the Hotel Cecil. Oh. Yeah. And so um, I wanted to encourage you guys to go and, and find their episodes. They were both really, really great. Happy Hour Gets Weird. Um, those girls, Cassie and Tiffany, get into a little bit more of the deaths and the suicides in their episode. And then Reverie... Um, Paige gets into, she only discusses Elisa Lamb's death, which was fascinating because I think, Arch, you and I talked, when we talked about Elisa Lamb, we had said that what we found was the tank was closed, was locked, Mm -hmm. or supposed to be. Mm -hmm. When the guy found her, it was open. And it was not only unlocked, but open. Hmm. So how could she not have gotten out of there? Uh, yeah. Yeah. She goes into a little bit more about like her autopsy results and things like that. Um, so it's much more in depth. It's it's just on her death. Um, and then, like I said, Happy Hour Gets Weird goes into a little bit more detail about the deaths and the suicides at um, the Hotel Cecil. So I definitely recommend you check out Happy Hour Gets Weird and Reverie True Crime. All these girls are fabulous. They just <laughs> really killed it. Um, her. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. Um, anyway, so I wanted to to talk about that real quick, and then um, we are going to have a quick little new segment under the EVP umbrella, and this is going to be titled, and this is Archie's finding out with you guys, <laughs> as oh good generally does. Um, it's not going to be every week, so it's just going to be, like, as it happens, but it's going to be called, What's Going On in Jen's House Now? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, she had, um, we, Jennifer and I text every day, all day long, and she had mentioned the other day that she, I think it was last week, and she was looking for the bottle opener, and she couldn't find it, and Jen and Mike's house is, is so there's literally like a place for everything and everything in its place kind of situation. Mm-hmm. So the bottle opener is kept in a drawer right in the front. You open it up. It's just right there. Um, she couldn't find it. She's like, okay. So in her kitchen, she's got like four drawers and the bottom one's like a big drawer that she keeps like the bread and stuff in. So she looked through all the drawers and she's like, well, that's really weird. So she looked through the cupboards thinking maybe somebody put it away in a different place, which would never happen on Mike's watch. I'm just saying. <laughs> but anyway, um, she couldn't find it. So then she was telling Emma and Mike about it. They both looked for it. They couldn't find it. So the next day, a couple days later, Emma is looking for something else, opens the drawer, poop, bottle opener, just right there, where it's always been, where it always should have been. Oh, wow. They are the only three that live in that house. <laughs> Given the current state of affairs, no one's going over to their house. Right. Or going in it, so it's like... Yeah, so... Mm. The ghost in their house apparently um, needed a bottle opened, and uh, yeah, so um, missing and reappearing bottle openers is what's going on in Jen's house now. 
Uh, so yeah, that'll be a new little segment. Um, again, only on an as it happens basis. Uh, and it could be months and months until the next one. So <laughs> the next thing um, I want to mention is that um, in talking about Archie's mixology expertise today, we do have a new uh, we do have new content that we release um, every week uh, on our Patreon. It is called the Booze Capital B O O. Get it? Mm-hmm. Get it? Do you get it? Yeah, I yeah. Get it. Booze of the week. Um, <laughs> where we um, we give you the recipe of the drink that we're having during that episode's recording. So it, we'll be releasing that along with the early release of the episode. So that's available to all of our Patreons at every donor level. And then um, the I also wanted to say that I've been promoting um, on our Facebook page. So everybody is well aware of who EVPI is, Entity Voices Paranormal. Um, investigators, and that is Tony, Cherie, Chris, and Audra, and they have a new thing that they're doing every week, and Archie and I have listened to a couple of them. Um, they have a new thing that they're doing every week where on, generally on Wednesdays, but sometimes on Thursdays, on Facebook, they are doing live shows where they have different guests in the paranormal field on their show. So, Archie, the first one that you and I watched was with Corey... And Jennifer Heinzen, who are the current owners of The Conjuring House. Yes. And that was amazing. Um, so it's completely live. You can ask them questions, things like that. It's really, really great. So this last Wednesday, they had on Ron Yacovetti, and I'm sorry if I butchered your name, and Lourdes Gonzalez. Um, and these are another um, couple of well-respected folks within the paranormal community. And these guys have uh, investigated a number of places. They were, I believe they said that they were part of that live investigation, that week-long live investigation of The Conjuring House that EVPI was a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this particular one, this, you guys, this is wild. And you, the, the, the recordings, the, the shows that they've done, are all up on their website or as far as like their Facebook page. So go to EVPI on Facebook find them you can watch all of their past shows but Archie on this one they actually and I can't remember where they were when they got this but it was a place that was either investigated by Ed and Lorraine Warren or it was near and dear to Ed and Lorraine Warren because they caught what appears to be an EVP from Ed Warren and the only reason that they believe that it is was because when they thought that he might be there, they asked, you know, Ed Warren, are you here with us? And they got on the spirit box, they got a yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. But what they said was, if this is truly you, Ed, what is it that you always used to call people? What is it that you always used to say that so-and-so told you you can't say? So they asked it a question that only Ed Warren would know. And if you remember, the spirit box is one of the, is a thing that like scans radio frequencies at like however many thousandths of a second, and it's believed to be an easier way for spirits to communicate with us in real time, where the the unaided ear can still hear them, and. The voice that they caught back after he said, well, what is it that you used to call people or that you used to say to people that so-and-so said you cannot say that? 
And right away, the voice came back with, asshole. (laughs) And apparently Ed Warren was known among his friends and family for saying that to people and calling, like, his friends and call all of this asshole over here. He just called everybody asshole, not like aggressively. That was just sort of his nickname for everybody. (laughs) And it was known within his inner circle. That's what he used to call people. So they actually asked this thing, um, a question that only Ed Warren would know. And they got the correct answer. It was mind blowing. I was like, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) Um, they've also investigated the queen Mary And Ron got a shot of um, this adult person and this child. And Archie, I'm going to show you the photo. And I'm I'm sorry. Right away, I'm I'm just going to be like, I'm sorry. Because this, they showed the photo and then they blew it up three times. So it's a picture that he took standing outside one of the the restaurants or the the bars on the Queen Mary, and it's a picture of the window. So it was taken from far away. But when he took the picture, nobody was standing in this window. So he takes the picture, and they show it, and then they blow it up, and then they blow it up a third time. And this is the the third blow-up that I'm going to show you. Okay. Um, These people were not standing in the window at the time. And I have never, ever, ever seen a photo of an apparition this clear. So this is what it looks like. Wow. Can you describe to them what it looks like? Like, it's very clearly a human being. To start. I see two faces. Yes, there are two. It's an adult talking to a child. Oh, okay. So do you see, it's almost like the back of the child's head is facing the window, and then the bill of his ball cap is, like, pointing up to the left. Okay. And the person is, like, looking down at the child. Huh. You can almost make out glasses on the adult. Weird. There was nobody in the restaurant at the time. It wasn't even open for business yet, and the staff, I guess, I can't, if I'm remembering it correctly, somebody had walked off out of the restaurant dining room and into the back and he took this picture and there's nobody there when he took it. Wow. I've never seen anything so... A, a, a photo of a ghost so clear. That's weird. It's wild, right? I mean, their hand, their arm is back. Like, they're scratching the back of their head. Like, their arm is back. It's... You can almost see, like, the kid almost has, like, a bag on his back. I don't know what this was. It's not a reflection. It's very clearly outside the dining room because even the colors are the side, the color of outside. Mm-hmm. That's weird. It's so weird. Um, so they caught a lot of really fucking crazy shit like this. It was it was a lot of fun um, to to watch this episode because I was actually listening to it while I was working. That was one of the nights I worked until like eleven o'clock. <sighs> so I had it on. And I was listening to it very much like a podcast, like I do my podcast. Um, but I would stop and be like, wait, what? What are you talking? Wait, wait, what? Ed Warren, who? What? Queen Mary Ghost, what? Um, it was it was amazing. It really was amazing. Um, so I wanted to tell everybody about that. Please go check them out. All of their past episodes are on Facebook. On their Facebook page, you can watch them. Um, 
just, oh God, so much ghostly fun, I can't even tell you. And then the last thing, um, EVP, that I, I want to cover is I want to let everybody know, because we get this question often, and by we, I mean me, <laughs> um, because <laughs> I primarily run most of the social media and things like that, um, and I've had you know friends and, and listeners and stuff uh, message me and ask if Archie and I are a couple. And <laughs> what? <laughs> we are not. Um, we are a couple of weirdos. Yeah, yeah, can can confirm. Can that. confirm accurate. That's accurate. Uh, but no, Archie and I are not romantically involved. We have never been romantically involved. And um, I believe most of you already know this, but Archie, would you like to tell them why? I like dudes. <laughs> Archie is gay. Um, <laughs> So, yeah. Um, Yeah, so I just wanted to let everybody know that. I I have people that are like, I have a question, um, but I don't know how to ask you this. And I already know it's coming. I'm like, no, Archie and I are not a a couple. (laughs) Oh, you you get that question a lot. Yeah, I do. (laughs) I really do. Um, No, Archie and I have known each other our whole lives since we were little children. But it's really more big sister, little brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are very close. We do have a really wonderful chemistry, but we are not romantically involved. So let's put that one to bed. Everybody can now know that we're not a couple. Night, night. Night, night. And yeah, that's it. And so Archie and I had a tiny argument. And by argument, I mean he told me of an idea he had for buying a home. And I yelled at him that it was the stupidest idea I ever heard. So again, yeah, like a big sister. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, don't do it. I'll fucking kill you. Um, <laughs> it would be hard to do from North Carolina. Oh, that's right. Oh, we can we can announce that now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, now that my job knows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my family and I, my mom, Coy, and I are moving to North Carolina in the spring. We are moving to Raleigh. So, um, yeah, it's been something that has been decided for a month or two. Oh, at least. At least. Um Yeah, so I guess we had another EVP to cover. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, so we're moving to Raleigh. We've got very close family there, and I want to be closer to Jennifer and and her family. And so, yeah, um, I just told my job last week, and I will be transferring with my company. Yay! It's a big move. It's a big move, yeah, buying uh, buying my first house. And, yeah, so I I mean, Carrie, go big or go home. (laughs) (laughs) Don't just buy a house. Buy it across the country. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I really love to learn those super hard lessons. Yeah, um, you always have. Mm-hmm, always, <laughs> forever. Um, but you're not allowed to, so don't do this thing. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, uh, we are moving to Raleigh. Archie is not going to be coming with us. A lot of people have asked that as well. <laughs> but I think that kind of ties into the fact that they think we're a couple. Oh, so oh, that explains a lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we will still be doing the podcast. We will just be doing it over Skype or Zoom or, you know, Skype, whatever, whatever. whatever. Uh, he has promised my mother he will come spend Thanksgiving and Christmas with us. So we've got those episodes covered in person. And yeah. All right. Well, we're 20 minutes into this nonsense and haven't even told people where we're taking it today, Arch. (laughs) This episode, we are going to the St. Augustine Lighthouse in Florida in the United States. This this place is what um, Ghost Hunters have covered it. It was, I think, one of their third episodes. And what they captured, I was at this 
location was mind-boggling. Which I'm interested to hear about because I know nothing about that part. Really? Yeah. Good. Okay. All right. And because... And I don't know anything about the history, so... All right, well... This works out. We oh, should start a podcast. Oh, totally. <laughs> I, uh, I got my information from Wikipedia, of course, with support from staugustinelighthouse.org. St. Augustine was the site of the first lighthouse established in Florida by the new territorial American government in 1824. According to some archival records and maps, this, quote, official American lighthouse was placed on the site of an earlier watchtower built by the Spanish as early as the late 16th century. A map of St. Augustine made by Baptista Boazio in 1589 depicting Sir Francis Drake's attack on the city, shows an early wooden watchtower near the Spanish structure, which was described as a, quote, beacon in Drake's account. Okay. By 1737, Spanish authorities built a more permanent tower from Coquina, taken from a nearby quarry on the island. Archival records are inconclusive as to whether the Spanish used the Coquina Tower as a lighthouse, but it seems plausible given the levels of maritime trade by that time. And what year is this? 1737. Holy crap, okay. The structure was regularly referred to as a lighthouse, quote, in documents including ship's logs and nautical charts, dating back to the British period beginning in 1763. Oh, okay. In 1783, the Spanish once again took control of St. Augustine, and once again the lighthouse was improved. Swiss-Canadian engineer and marine surveyor Joseph Frederick Wallet de Bar marks a Coquina lighthouse on Anastasia Island in his 1780 engraving, A Plan of the Harbor of St. Augustine. Oh, okay. Jack Nicholas Bellin of Royal French Hydrographer. I'm sorry, what? Hydrographer. Hydrographer. So, like a map maker of the oceans? Exactly, and coastline. Hey, yay, 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 I Look at you. in history. His notes refer to the Coquina Tower as Batisse in Volume 1 of Petit Alice Maritime. Oh, French, too. All right, I'm doing okay. You, my French and Spanish. You are. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, the, I hope you're writing all of this down. All of this down. The accuracy of these scholars is debated still. Debar's work included some obvious errors, but Belin's is considered highly qualified. His work provides an important reference to St. Augustine's geography and landmarks in 1764. Facing erosion and a changing coastline, the old tower crashed into the sea in 1880. Oops. Well, it happens. But but not before a new lighthouse was lit. Today, the tower ruins are a submerged archaeological site. Oh, like you can go diving there? You can dive them. Oh my god, that's really cool. And wouldn't that be? Let's get our let's get our scuba divers license certification. And license yeah. certification. Somebody message us. Which is it? Because <laughs> we want to get whatever that is. <laughs> Early lamps in the first tower burned lard oil. Multiple lamps with silver reflectors were replaced by a fourth-order Fresnel lens in 1855, greatly improving the lighthouse's range and eliminating some maintenance issues. A Fresnel lens is a succession of concentric rings, each consisting of an element of a simple lens assembled in a proper relationship on a flat surface to provide a short focal length. 
Wow. Okay. Used particularly in lighthouses and searchlights to concentrate the light into a relatively narrow beam. So what that means is it starts with a large outer reflective lens. Okay. Inside of that is a slightly smaller reflective lens. Okay. Inside of that another. So on and so forth. Inside inside, but they're angled so they focus into a single strong beam of light. Much like when you're playing with a magnifying glass. Oh, okay. So by 1870, beach erosion was threatening the first lighthouse. Again. Construct again. Okay. Construction on a new light tower began in 1871 during Florida's reconstruction period after the Civil War. Sure. In the meantime, a jetty of coquina and brush was built to protect the old tower. A trolley track brought the building supplies from the ships at the dock. The new tower was completed in 1874 and put into service with a new first order Fresno lens. All these different orders of lenses. I mean, I have no idea. They're further refining. To make them brighter. To make them brighter, stronger. Reach out farther. Exactly. So boats further out could see. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. It was lit for the first time in October by keeper William Russell. Russell was the first lighthouse keeper in the new tower and the only keeper to have worked on both towers. On August 31st, 1886, the Charleston earthquake caused the tower to, quote, sway violently, according to the keeper's log, but there was no recorded damage. Charleston, South Carolina? Yes. Whoa. Yes. Way to work that in. I'm getting ready to fucking move to North Carolina in like (laughs) eight months. Well, shit. Yep. I thought we just had hurricanes to deal with. No, we've got it all. Super. In 1885, after many experiments with different types of oils, the lamp was converted from lard oil to kerosene. During World War II, Coast Guard men and women trained in St. Augustine and used the lighthouse as a lookout post for enemy ships and submarines which frequented the coastline. Really? Oh, yeah. The whole eastern seaboard. Okay, that makes sense. In 1907, indoor plumbing reached the light station. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Followed by electricity in the keeper's quarters in 1925. The light itself was electrified in 1936 and automated in 1955. As the light was automated, positions for three keepers slowly dwindled down to two and then one. No longer housing lighthouse families by the 1960s, the keeper's house was rented to residents. Oh. Eventually it was declared surplus, and St. John's County bought it in 1970. In that year, the house suffered a devastating fire at the hands of an unknown, unknown arsonist. Mm-hmm. In 1980, a small group of 15 women in the Junior Service League of St. Augustine... Yeah, yeah. Signed a 99-year lease with the county for the keeper's house and surrounding grounds and began a massive restoration project. Why are these people signing 99-year leases? Because didn't the guy that bought the Hotel Cecil sign a 99-year lease? Mm -hmm. What's the significance of 99-year leases? Um, historical preservation. Oh, okay, so by this point, was this a historical... Not at that point. Oh. But sometime within the next 99 years... It could they be. foresee that it will be, and it will be protected. <laughs> okay, wow, all right. Shortly after the JSL adopted the restoration, the League signed a 30-year lease 
30-year lease. Write that down. <laughs> with the Coast Guard to begin a restoration effort on the lighthouse tower itself. The lighthouse was subsequently placed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1981. There you go. Due to the efforts of local preservationist and author Karen Harvey. Okay, now you're just pulling shit straight out of my part. I'm sorry. <laughs> or I did it from yours. The antique... you stole from me. <laughs> <laughs> the antique lens... Well, you don't send me your stuff, so... I know, you need to stop doing that. <laughs> the antique lens was functional until it was damaged by rifle fire in 1986, and 19 of the prisms were broken. What? Who? What was that? Lamplighter Hank Mears called the FBI to investigate this crime. And as far as I can tell, it was never solved. Just some asshole. Just randomly just firing Just decided at the- to shoot at the lighthouse beacon. I'm telling you, sometimes people suck, and which is why I'm going to have an entire podcast on exactly how, <laughs> including this who, this particular crime. As the lens continued to weaken, the Coast Guard considered removing it and replacing it with a more modern airport beacon. Again, championed by the JSL, this plan was dismissed, and the nine-foot-tall lens was restored with the help of retired Coast Guardsmen Joe Cocking and Nick Johnson. Johnston. This was the first restoration of its kind in the nation. Cocking and Johnston continued to work with museum staff and care for the lens. Volunteers from Northrop Grumman Corporation and Florida mm. Power Light clean and inspect the lens and works every week. Oh, that's great. That's amazing. Yeah. A Maritime Museum opened full-time in early 1994. What, okay. is, what is today the St. Augustine Lighthouse and Maritime Museum Incorporated, separately incorporated from the League in 1998. Oh, okay. A community-based board of trustees was seated representing the diversity of the area. The following year, a second not-for-profit, the St. Augustine Lighthouse Archaeological Maritime Program, was <laughs> formed to help the museum study shipwrecks and coastal resources. Today, the St. Augustine Light Station consists of the 165-foot 1874 tower, the 1876 Keeper's House, two summer kitchens added in 1886, a 1941 U.S. Coast Guard barracks, and a 1936 garage that was home to a Jeep repair facility during World War II. The site is also a National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration weather station. That is a whole lot of big words. And you got through all of them, except for Oceanic. Oceanic. I'm Australian. Are you? Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) If he wants me to be, I'm Australian. (laughs) I can wear that hat. (laughs) You can wear that hat. Okay, Mr. Map, where is this place? St. Augustine? Mm -hmm. It's at the northeastern tip of Florida. Really? I've actually been there. Have you? Mm Mm-hmm. You couldn't have opened with that? No. (laughs) (laughs) Looking at your face, Carrie, I see now that I should have, but I did not. (laughs) My father was a truck driver. I've been all over the country. Okay, I'll give you that. I'm looking at this, the Charleston earthquake. That was a hell of an earthquake. Because, I mean, it's technically separated by Georgia. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the, the... the earth is a lot looser, I mean, yeah. more fluid, less rocky like than where we are now. 
So everything moves a lot more when it gets that cold. That would be terrifying. Yeah, it's just south of Jacksonville. Very cool. Also, do you like the nickname Mr. Map? Mr. Map. Only if you pop that P. <laughs> and now I can't. <laughs> and we've gone too far. <laughs> okay, that was really great. I literally, I've known about this place and its ghosts forever. But that's all I've known. Huh? So that was really, really cool. It was, it was a really interesting history to read. I'm super irritated by the guy that shot the lens out. I think that's just ridiculous. It's, it's rude. It's it's uncalled for. It's, it's so not necessary. But a lot of a lot of the dumb shit people do is not necessary. Sometimes people suck. Yeah, this is true. We haven't actually been able to say that in the in an episode in this podcast in a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. It? Thanks, Saint Augustine, for bringing it back. Yeah, woo. Yeah, woo. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, let's. We're going to jump into the ghosts here in just a moment. Um, again, we want to introduce one of our buddy podcasts. Um, please take a moment to listen to their promo. Um, Prash is amazing, and um, I mean, it's the accent. It's it, when it, it comes right down to it. He could read the phone book, and I'd be like, "Tell me more." <laughs> um, fortunately, uh, he his um, true crime podcast is really quite amazing. Um, and so, obviously, with the true crime and the accent, it's super binge-worthy. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, guys, please, please uh, have a listen to this promo for um, one of our buddy podcasts, and we will get into the hauntings of the St. Augustine Lighthouse, of which there are a plethora. Oh, boy. Yes. Uh, so we will be right back. Hey, everyone. This is Prash, host of Prash's Murder Map. Pack your passport and jump on a plane, because I'd like to take you on a journey to investigate some of the most heinous, macabre and enigmatic murders across the globe and throughout history. We'll look at forensics, psychology and more as we dissect solved and unsolved cases like Australia's Frankston Killer and a murderous family on the American frontier. If you'd like to give my podcast a try, you can find me on all major podcast platforms and YouTube. Hope to see you soon. Oh, I could just listen to that pot, that promo over and over. <laughs> just the promo. Um, yeah. So yeah, check out Prash's murder map. It's, it's really, really great. He's got amazing content and, um, you know, the, the accent I said, it once, I said it a thousand times. <laughs> so, uh, Archie has fallen in love with Paige's voice of Reverie True Crime and I'm in love with Prash's. Okay. All right. Um, all right. No more stuff about us that nobody wanted to know. <laughs> Let's talk about the ghosts of St. Augustine Lighthouse that everybody wants to know. Let's hear it. Okay, so I got my information um, from staugustinelighthouse.org, ghostsandgravestones.com, and thelineup.com. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to start my my portion out with um, a quote that I actually got from hauntedplacestogo.com. Oh. Yeah, which I thought was really creepily beautiful. Is that beautifully creepy? Is that that sounds better sure, grammatically? Sounds better. <laughs> Aaron, let me know. Um, <laughs> and it reads, "Quote: There are many ghostly tales of the Saint Augustine Lighthouse in Florida, 
The first puts the structure as a light of hope for those individuals who lost their life at sea. It is believed that the grounds serve as a type of spiritual portal for the spirits that are wandering aimlessly at sea. The beacon that shines from the structure is said to guide spirits of all types to the grounds. Nice. Yeah, I was like, that's haunting and creepily beautifully, beautifully creepier. I liked it. (laughs) So in the notes it went. Okay. Oh, boy. All right. So one of the lighthouse's first keepers was a man named Peter Rasmussen. Uh, He was actually known for his meticulous eye and watchful manner of maintaining the lighthouse. He was also known for his love of cigars. And he's one of the first ghosts that people report coming into contact with. Yeah. Um, Over the years, the smell of Peter's cigar has been detected by many, including staff members and guests. I'm not a fan. I mean... What, a cigar smoke car? Yes. Or what was the ore? There you go. Um, (laughs) The haunting aura of cigar smoke. Not a fan of that or... Anything having to do with cigars in general. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I just, I don't know. I'm just not a fan. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess largely because I've, I've never really been around it m- much of my life. So mm-hmm. I have, I mean, eh. well, one thing I cannot abide by, though, is clove cigarettes. No. <laughs> I will fucking pull that out of your mouth and stomp it into the dirt. I can't stand them. <laughs> I can't stand a clove. Anyway. Okay. Uh, others have seen and heard another keeper by the name of Joseph Andrew. Drew? A-N-D-R-E-U? Andrew. Andrew? Sure. Sure. Um, at the top... (laughs) Aaron. Uh, at the top of the tower, except that he's been dead for more than a century. Oh. Yeah. Um, (laughs) his presence at the lighthouse could be explained by the fact that he fell to his death while painting the outside of the tower. Uh, his spirit never left, and he's often seen looking out from the top. Um, however, the most well-known ghosts of St. Saint Augustine, oh Christ, and wow. the rum is kicking in. <laughs> so, seafood next time. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the most well-known ghosts of the St. Augustine Lighthouse are that of the two sisters who had died on the property. Did you come across this story in, in any of your research? No. Okay. So... Hezekiah Pitty was hired to renovate the tower in the late 1800s. He had two daughters, Eliza and Mary, and they were playing inside a cart that was often used to carry materials back and forth to the lighthouse. Um, And on one particular day, the cart broke loose and they weren't able to jump out in time. And the cart slid rapidly into the bay, plummeting both girls to a watery death. Not my words, stolen from the website. Um, (laughs) so according to a number of lighthouse workers, the mischievous, mischievous, nope, mischievous spirits of these two children still haunt the lighthouse to this day. Like I said, they're one of the more famous, well-known ghosts of St. Augustine. Um, workers will find locked doors standing wide open the next day. The sounds of children's laughter can be heard in the stairwell. Music boxes sold in the gift shop inexplicably pop open and start playing by themselves. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> tour guides report multiple um, instances of being touched or grabbed by ghosts while showing visitors around the lighthouse. 
Um, so yeah, mischievous is a good word to describe these two little girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I guess also inside the lighthouse and around the property, many are often spooked by strange and eerie events that they just can't explain. Staff members often say that they, again, will lock the door at the top of the tower each night before leaving, yet the door is open, often open in the morning when they arrive for work. I also saw, um, you know, at Halloween, they always have those most haunted places in America shows, and there's like 900 versions, like... Episode one, episode 20, <laughs> they, they showcase this lighthouse and one of the guys, a maintenance worker at the lighthouse has said that he has, he's often seen wet footprints. Oh, uh huh. Like on the, um, like in the entrance to the actual tower, little children's wet footprints, which I think cause they died and they drowned in the bay is terrifying and super sad. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So... Okay. Uh, The lighthouse staff also reports that chairs have been moved or overturned, and again, that various items in the gift shop were moved or missing, only to reappear later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they're not just stuck to, like, the bay or that outdoor area. Like, obviously, these two little girls must, what I feel like, are intelligent haunts, in that they can go anywhere. They're not just replaying that, that moment they died in a loop. Um, so some say that while touring the light keepers quarters, they feel cold and that the figure of a tall man has appeared before them and then disappeared. One story involves, um, a relief lighthouse keeper that was living in the home in the 1950s who reported hearing footsteps upstairs. He went to investigate, but nobody was up there. The head keeper at the time was James Pippin. He served from 1953 to 1955 and was the last keeper to live at the light station. Pippin initially lived in the keeper's house, as all previous keepers had done. Right. Um, But he moved to the much smaller 1941 Coastal Lookout building. And um, because he swore that the, quote, big house was haunted and he would not stay another night in it. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. And apparently... Uh, there's a, a less pleasant ghost that makes uh, themselves known at the light out, lighthouse, including a figure who has come to be known as the man in blue. Okay. Uh, so I guess this specter has terrified many who have worked and lived in the house, following them down all 219 stairs from the top of the tower. Oh, wow. One lighthouse keeper was so unnerved that he refused to live in the lighthouse any longer. Eventually, a Coast Guard, who evidently didn't fear ghosts, switched duties with him. Oh. Yeah. Now, in 1955, the lighthouse lamp was fully automated, as you had mentioned. Mm -hmm. Uh, The United States Coast Guard replaced the lighthouse keepers with a position called the lamplighter. The local lamplighter had all the duties of a lighthouse keeper, but didn't live on site. So, as a result, the keeper's house was rented for a time. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, a local man who crafted leather goods and rented the property during the 1960s, he tells a story of waking up one night with a small girl standing by his bed watching him sleep. Oh. As he blinked his eyes to look at her, she disappeared. Wow. That, that, that just is sort of an amalgamation of all my fears. <laughs> Ghost children watching you sleep. Got it. Mm-hmm. And if they crab walked away... <laughs> Fuck you, I'm out. So, in 1970, after standing empty for a number of years, the keep house, the keepers, 
The keeper's house. Thank you. <laughs> he got. He 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 got. What? Wow. What? You want me to finish this part? <laughs> Do you have my notes? No. Let <laughs> me start this again. Stop laughing. I'm trying. <laughs> So, in 1970, after standing empty for many years, and you had mentioned this, the keeper's house burned under mysterious circumstances, gutting the home, leaving only the coquina basement and a few charred timbers. Which, by the way, while you were talking about the history of this, I looked up coquina, Mm -hmm. and it's basically a rock. It's basically like... It's it's coral. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, like, driveways and shit and walls and stuff are made of. Um... Anyway, leaving only the coquina basement and a few charred timbers, St. John's County purchased the shell of the building with the intention of demolishing it for safety reasons, which then you talked about how the Junior Service League then came in, they raised a bunch of money, it's now on the National Historic Register of Places, I'm not going to go through it because you totally jacked this part from me. (laughs) That would be the history, correct? (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) Now, during the renovation... Uh, both construction workers and the J- no 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 during the renovation, both construction workers and the JSL volunteers reported numerous unexplained incidents in the home. Oh. The basement was a particularly active area for ghostly encounters, being the only part of the home that had not completely burned. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So um, perhaps the children like to play here um, today. It's most people say that there's a very definite spooky presence always felt in. There's a spooky presence in the basement. I mean, do with that what you're gonna. <laughs> what historically you have shown you'll do with that's a kind of a sentence. <laughs> Heavy feeling in the basement. <laughs> There's the snort. And you said it, not me. Oh, man. I was simply repeating what you had said. Sploosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my basement's flooded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You should watch Archer. <laughs> oh, my God. <sighs> okay. <laughs> there's, there's no recovering. There isn't. That. Let's just... I don't have to go on the bloopers. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> um, so now, while children are actually by no means the only tragedy that occurred there, the girls are some of the most active spirits around... Um, psychics contact staffers frequently, just like that haven't like been there or that have toured. Um, <laughs> one psychic that had been there recently told the staff that a young African American girl whose name was Ellie or Eleanor um, was seen by her or him um, running all over in between tours and. Th- Sorry. In between tours and things like that. The website said, We continue our archival research and hope to find historical evidence one day to confirm this information. Mm. Yeah. So, um, back to the little girls. Apparently, they enjoy playing hide-and-seek... No. Hide-and-seek sometimes, including unsuspecting people. You might find themselves in the middle of a hide-and-seek game. Uh, (laughs) Which... That might be kind of, I'm okay with that. Don't watch me sleep, but let's go play hide and seek. Yeah, yeah. Go go hide. Go hide. Go hide. I'll count to ten. 
One night, in the dark lighthouse tower, a lone staff member was closing up for the night. He heard giggling at the top of the tower, thinking that he had left someone on the top of the tower. Oh, no. Wow. <laughs> Not great at his job, if he thought oh, that, if that was his first thought. Um, he returned to the top to find it empty. As he began to head back down the tower, he heard the same giggles below him. Hmm. Um, descending to the bottom, he once again found no one was there. Uh, was it just the wind? Or was he in the midst of a game of hide-and-seek? Hmm. I tend to think it was hide-and-seek. Probably. Yeah. So they have um, a tour at the lighthouse called the Dark of the Moon Tour. And one of the guests on this tour said she was standing on the first step of the metal lighthouse staircase, which goes in a big spiral up the tower. Right. She took her first step to climb the tower, and she found her shoelace tied to the staircase. Whoa. Uh-huh. Uh, whether it was a ghost or her companion playing a trick, we cannot say. But I feel like if you and I were there, I would notice you bending down, tying. You know what I mean? I would mm-hmm. be like, what are you doing? We're getting ready to go get up. Yeah, act like an adult. God Stop. Damn. Don't worry about your basement. It's fine. <laughs> You're embarrassing me. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, on another tour, a guy found a group of young women in the basement of the keeper's home. Don't go there. One of the young women rented an EMF meter to measure the electric, uh, electrical, whoa, electrical activity caused by the spirit. <laughs> Goodness gracious, Rachel. Okay. The young woman holding the meter asked the girls if they wanted to play hide and seek. The little girls. Um, the meter spiked. The woman wandered the basement searching for the hiding girls, finally finding meter activity under the spiral staircase leading to the main floor. So I guess excitedly, she said she had found them um, and asked if they wanted to play again. Like before, the meter spiked, which is really fun when that happens and you're talking to something and you're like, can you make this light up? Can you? And it does. You're like, they have accepted me as one of their own. It's really, well, that's how I feel. Um, They like me. They're not just ignoring me. Um, (laughs) Once again, the young woman searched the basement for the girls and after about several minutes found electrical energy near the children's play table. Um, About that time, another set of guests came into the basement and reportedly after that, then the energy dissipated and she couldn't find them again. But I think that's really cool. That sounds fun. I think that and the flashlight game would be my two favorite ways to interact. Um, But that's just me. Anyway, you're looking at me like, you're a fucking weirdo. (laughs) If my mother was here, she would actually say those words. So, let's see here. Other visitors to the lighthouse report catching glimpses of a young girl dressed in period clothing peering out from the lighthouse door or standing near an upstairs window. This is creepy, and I'm going to show you the picture. Um, In 2009... A cell tower technician took a photo of his co-worker with the lighthouse in the background. The figure of a young girl in a long dress with long hair can be standing alone on the top of the observation deck. Okay, so you can... It's you. It's clear as day. You can see it here. Take my phone and see. Oh, wow. I mean, it's blurry. Obviously, it looks like it's an overcast day or whatever, but you can clearly see her without that section needing to be enlarged as it Mm -hmm. currently is. Yeah. But at the same time, it doesn't look solid. It almost kind of looks a little transparent. It looks like a girl with dark hair and a light dress in the faraway shot, but when the close-up, you can see she's kind of transparent. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Isn't that cool? 
Um, so yeah, that's one of the more famous photos um, of St. Augustine Lighthouse, and I'll definitely put that on our website and all of our social media, um, so you guys can judge for yourselves. Now, another story said <laughs> that a local man uh, who was greatly affected by the famous 1929 um, crash of the stock market, uh, he is said to have committed suicide by hanging from a rafter of the home. Oh. Uh, many have seen what appears to be a man dangling from that same area on ominous nights that include storms and rough seas. Ugh, ugh, that would be horribly horrible to see. Um, while this is a case that is not officially documented, it is believed that the suicide could have been hush-hush in order to keep publicity from hoarding the area or to protect the image of the city in general. Uh, Which I think is terrible. Like, a man... I don't don't know. Uh, Despite the fact that there is not physical evidence of the suicide, the individuals who have experienced this spirit firsthand know that it happened and that the man still lingers on the grounds obviously still sad and disgruntled with the direction that his life took. Mm. Yeah. Now, um, my last haunting, which I thought was the coolest, um, (laughs) (laughs) many do not realize it, but it is believed that the grounds of St. Augustine Lighthouse have served as a burial ground for a large number number. A large number of individuals. Aaron, don't write that down. (laughs) I caught it. Uh, Prior to the construction of the beautiful lighthouse, there was a case in which a total of 13 pirates were apprehended and were dealt with for crimes that they had engaged in. Once murdered, there were graves that were dug for the individuals and they were buried. It is believed that the area where the home rests on the grounds is the area that this occurred in. Rumors have it that during the construction process, many of the bones of these criminals were found and simply thrown out. Oh. Regardless, it is believed that restless spirits wander the grounds and are far from being, quote, at rest. Uh, Hauntings that occur in the basement area are believed to be these spirits. So, why why not? Okay. I mean, why not? That makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm quite the pirate aficionado. Uh, I see. I'm at least a Johnny Depp aficionado. <laughs> anyway, so that's what I've got on the um, the hauntings of the St. Augustine Lighthouse that I found in my notes. I do want to say that um, Archie and I were talking just um, a minute ago when we had taken a quick little break that... The very first time I watched Ghost Hunters, it was one of their very first episodes, and Ghost Hunters um, actually did an investigation at the St. Augustine Lighthouse. And (laughs) when I watched this show, and I saw the footage that they caught, I was hooked. I literally, I think I was in um, my bedroom, and my mom and Corey were watching TV in the living room, and when I saw it, I was like, oh my god, I screamed it. And, and my mom came running. What? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Oh my God. There's a ghost and this lighthouse and these guys. And I mean, it was <laughs> to which she, you know, rolled her eyes so far back in her head. She could have tea with Jesus and <laughs> walked out and slammed my bedroom door. <laughs> but Archie, I'm going to find the video right now. And I want you to watch it because I, I want you to see, I want to see what you think about this. It's a very famous scene from Ghost Hunters. 
Oh God. Okay, so I couldn't find the video, but we did find the scene in Ghost Hunters that I'm talking about, and I showed you a still of the video. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to let the listeners know, Ghost Hunters went and they investigated the lighthouse, and they're shooting. They have a camera positioned up the tower, so you see all of the different levels um, from the the bottom to the top of the lighthouse, and. Um, so they have a camera aimed there, and it's just continuously filming. In one scene, you see a dark figure grab the railing and peer over the railing down to the bottom. And then stand back up. And then, like, stand back straight mm, up. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the <laughs> review of the footage, Steve kind of sets it up for them and says, Okay, this is what we're looking at, and this is right here is where you're going to want to focus your vision um they also had a light up on that particular level or on every level i can't remember but they had a light there that was designed to turn on when somebody walked by mm-hmm. motion As, activated right uh, kind of to assist them because i mean that's fucking dark up there right. <laughs> um and the light didn't kick on Motion did not activate the light and never turned on. So you've seen the still of the video shot. What are your thoughts and impressions of it? Well, it's very, very evident in the still that it looks like somebody is peering over the edge of the balcony. It's definitely human form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, to watch it was absolutely <laughs> the most wild shit ever. <laughs> and from that very second on, I have been a devoted Ghost Hunters fan. Um, I honestly think uh, that that piece of, e- of evidence, and maybe I can count on one hand the a number of times they've caught other pieces that have just shocked me. Just, just shocked me to my core. Wow. The other one being when we did the Crescent Hotel and I showed you they caught that thermal image of a guy in a, like a, uh, catchphrase. You wear it on your head in the military. (laughs) 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 They caught the thermal image of a guy on the locker in the morgue. That was another one. I mean, yeah, I, I, I just, but this is the one that was, I was like, I've got to watch this show forever. (laughs) So, um, yeah, very definitely creepy. Uh, I highly recommend this place. I have little, 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 little desire to ever visit Florida. No offense, Florida. You just have far more hurricanes than I'd like. You're, it's pretty humid there and you got meth. Meth gators. You've got meth gators. <laughs> My God, no. Um, <laughs> but yes. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, um, however, I, I, I definitely recommend it. And if um, if and when I do get to Florida, I will. I I want to go here. I can't believe that you have actually been to a fucking haunted place well, that I never have. How old were you when you were there? Tell me everything. What'd you see? Um, I was a child. And we were just passing through the city. <laughs> I've so been to St. Augustine, not the lighthouse. So it's it's basically your Tacoma. I've I, been through it. I've it exists. It. I've, I've it's seen a it. Thing. It's there. 
Okay. I seen it with my own eyes. <laughs> All right. Well, in closing, I do want to say, I want to read this part from that I thought was really cool from um, St. Augustine Lighthouse.org, the official website. Uh, they say, <laughs> quote, as a nonprofit organization, you make a difference with every admission, donation, membership, and gift shop purchase. Your support helps us keep the light shining. It also allows us to discover new stories through research and archaeology, preserve historic structures and objects, present stories through exhibitions and educational programs, and keep maritime heritage alive with traditional wooden boat building and support of other maritime folk arts. Nice. Yeah, so... Definitely go check them out. Today is July 3rd that we are recording, um, and as of today, they're open, but tomorrow that may change. Flores is <laughs> one of the bigger super cootie states right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, again, you can visit them at their website, staugustinelighthouse.org. They are located at 81 Lighthouse Avenue. Oh, nice. In St. Augustine, Florida. <laughs> 320. <laughs> In Orlando, Florida. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 32080. Um, or you can call them at 904-829-0745. Now, they are open daily from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. seven days a week. Their tickets range from 1095 for children 12 and under or seniors 60 and over. Um, and then adults are 1295. The Dark of the Moon Ghost Tour, which is all ghosts, no gimmicks. This is... <laughs> I loved that. This is the only ghost tour that gets you inside the tower at night, um, as seen on taps on Ghost Hunters. Oh, okay. Yeah. That is $25. Or you can do the Sunset Moonrise Tour, enjoy breathtaking views of the sunset, and full moonrise with champagne and hors d'oeuvres on the top of the tower, which I think would be amazing as well. Yeah. So we got to do both. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And that tour is $30. So that's what I've got. Really great place, a really amazing history, and I feel like it was built on the bones of pirates. That just makes it better. <laughs> yeah, this was good. <laughs> this was a good one, yeah. Uh, so that's all That's all I got. Arch, what do you all got? All right, that's it. Okay. Uh, you want to tell the folks where they can find us, or do you think they know by now? You should probably know by now, but just to remind you, you can if find us. If this is your first episode. We can be found on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. What's, is there another one? No, those are the only three that I could handle. Oh, no. It's uh, at HOAHpodcast.com and also at www.hoahpodcast.com and Patreon at HOAHpodcast. Yes, patreon.com slash HOAHpodcast. Um... Yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Yay. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, we really everybody. appreciate it. And we will be back next week. Again, like I said, today is July 3rd. We are doing a recording because we're doing a double recording. Um, but tomorrow is the 4th of July here in the United States where we celebrate America's independence. So I definitely, um, I, Archie and I, we want to encourage you to have a great time. Please, please, please be safe. Uh, do not hold firecrackers in your hands. Um, one of my neighbors did that the other night and when it really got going, he ran away from it, still fucking holding it. (laughs) There's that. (laughs) Don't do that. Uh, (laughs) there's a number of forensic pathologists on Instagram that are happy to show you people whose hands have been blown off, whose legs have been blown up and their genitals. By fireworks at this time of the year. Charming. Charming. Uh, but although by the time this comes out, either your 
It's probably too late. It's at this probably point. too late. Sorry. Um, <laughs> next year, don't do it next year. Uh, but anyway, yes. Uh, hope you guys are safe. You're happy. You're having a wonderful time. You're self quarantining. You're wearing your masks and you're social distancing. But the most important thing is animals, dogs, cats. They are afraid of the fireworks, and so I certainly hope that nobody lost their animal during um, the fireworks festivities. Um, and I hope that if you did, that your dog was microchipped, it was tagged, it was licensed, um, and that you find your, your little furry loved one very, very soon. And that's all I got. All right. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. <sighs> okay. Bye, guys. <laughs> bye. Just, just end it. <laughs> Goodness. Okay. Just end it. Goodbye. End it. <laughs> <laughs>